in an ideal world, the balance between product and marketing is a healthy tension, underscore healthy. Okay, welcome back to the Marketing Playbook presented by Details Interactive. Here you'll take away three game-winning marketing plays every episode to take back to your team. I'm your host, Mark Friedman, and my career has been focused on direct-to-consumer marketing, direct mail, physical retail, and digital commerce. This is episode number 26, and today's guest is Craig Brummers. Before we get started, a quick thank you as always to Max Branstetter of the Wild Business Growth Podcast for producing this episode. You can reach him at max at maxpodcasting.com to help bring your podcast to life. Let's open the playbook. Ready, break. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining the Marketing Playbook podcast. Today, I'm joined by Craig Brummers, CMO at American Eagle Outfitters. There are not too many people that have worked at such an impressive list of brands, Speedo, Calvin Klein, Abercrombie, Gap, and now American Eagle. Craig, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Well, it's been a long time since I've seen you, Craig, and I know we've been able to stay in touch all these years. It's great that you've done that. You've had a really amazing career, and I can't wait for the listeners to hear all about that. But before we start there, how have you been? How's your family? Thanks for asking, Mark. Yeah, we're very good. Um, my two daughters uh, remain in live-in-person school, um, which, um, you know, knock on wood, uh, continues over the coming weeks. And uh, hey, we're out here in Connecticut. We're doing the best we can in, in a crazy year. All right. Well, good. I'm glad that, uh, that you're all well. We're recording this uh, roughly the third week in November, so we're still uh, knee-deep in this pandemic. So we like to start the show, Craig, uh, getting a little bit of, of the first story, you know, kind of your upbringing, siblings, where you grew up, and, and perhaps, you know, if, if there was something, you know, about your upbringing that might foreshadow a little bit about, you know, how your, your career has transpired, you know, that might be interesting to hear. Yeah. So, Mark, I came from a humble middle-class American family. I grew up in Spokane, Washington, which is on the east side of Washington State. Both parents were public school teachers. I have a sister. Um, we still remain very tight uh, to this day. I, I generally am calling them you know, four or five, six times a week. And I think a couple things I reflect on my childhood of probably maybe the person, the professional I am today. One was uh, my parents, even though they were public school teachers, definitely took advantage of their summers. Um, and for two, three months at a time, we were out exploring the world. Um, and for me, that world was generally the West Coast. Uh, so up and down Washington State, Oregon, California, um, and beyond. Um, and I think that wanderlust um, and that desire for new experiences has probably um, you know, kind of shaped me in terms of the professional I am today. Um, and then I also think that um, my parents are kind people. My family is a kind uh, a family. And I think I've learned from them that even at this stage of my career, I think that people who have had the, the opportunity to work with me say, hey, Craig, he's a good guy. He's, he's a nice guy. Um, and sometimes in business, I guess, nice people don't always finish first, but I think I've had a pretty damn good career uh, by practicing kindness. 
Well, I would uh, certainly uh, agree with that statement, having worked with you and, and have stayed friends with you now for 10 years. Um, I think you're a, a very good guy and um, you, you're very right for saying it that way. I was waiting for you to have a butt in there, but you know there is no butt because you are a heck of a good guy. So we met, uh, as I had, had mentioned here earlier, uh, at Speedo. Uh, at Warnico was the uh, the owner of the North American license of the Speedo business. Uh, you were heading up marketing for that brand. Um, how did you get to Speedo? It's funny. Um, you know, being very frank with you, Mark, the, the first job I ever had, I was not a success. In fact, you know, sometimes you learn from failure in your career. And one of the, the reasons why I don't believe I was successful in my first job was I was not a great networker which for anyone that knows me now will be surprised because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good networker uh, at this stage of the career. I went into sports PR and marketing following that first gig um, and um, had a, a number of sports that I did, tennis, which I'm super passionate about, but NASCAR, Major League Baseball, the NFL, et cetera. One of them happened to be Speedo, uh, the swimwear company. So at the 1996 Atlanta Olympics, I was the agency uh, for for the brand, and I networked within um, that that company. And fast forward uh, to the planning for the 2000 Sydney Olympics, they were kind enough to offer me a full time opportunity inside. And um, as you know, I had the privilege of leading marketing for the Sydney, Athens, and Beijing Olympics. Yeah, that's a really cool uh, experience. Um, I want to uh, dig more into the the Olympics experience in a second. Uh, I don't know if you'll remember this, but when I first joined uh, Warnico, and my role was kind of a corporate role, um, trying to to drive uh, digital commerce. Uh, you know, again, and this is ten years ago, so you know some businesses were still learning. Um, you and I and Kim Felix had a dinner. Um, you you took me to a really nice steakhouse uh, in LA, I, I think it was. And um, during that, we had a you know, really nice dinner. And I remember you saying, you know, geez, you know, there's so much that you've done in your career, you haven't done a lot of digital, you know, at that moment in time, you were thirsty to learn a bit about that. And, and that was something that I, you know, again, 10 years later, remembered that dinner and, and the way you talked about wanting to learn. I, I thought that was really interesting. No, I appreciate that, Mark. I, obviously, you were instrumental in 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 that stage of my career. Digital was just beginning to emerge as a really important way for customers to engage with brands and buy from brands. And and obviously, fast forward to this coming week here at American Eagle, um, massive, massive digital business. Uh, you know, we're 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 banging on two billion dollars in terms of of e-commerce and and my marketing team. Um, in charge of of much of the of the action on the site, so um, yeah, it's been quite a quite a journey from from where when we met to to today. Yeah, so let's go back to the Olympics for just for a second, and and I definitely want to talk about some of the digital activation that you have going on. But you have so many places in your career to, that are interesting to talk about. Talk uh, about the Michael Phelps Olympics and your experience with Michael and and all of that. I mean, that was must have been awesome. Yeah, Mark, I always joke that Michael Phelps made me look very good, made the entire Speedo team look very good. Uh, but to be fair, we worked very, very hard um, in the buildup to his most famous Olympics and perhaps the most famous Olympics of any Olympian, right? The 2008 Beijing Olympics where Michael earned 
a record-breaking eight gold medals. We actually signed Michael, though, um, right before the Sydney Olympics. Um, and, um, you know, he kind of grew up with, with our Speedo family. Uh, we knew his mom, his sisters quite well. Um, and so, you know, rooting for him um, was kind of a family affair. It, it, it was real. It was um, visceral to be, uh, you know, row one next to those starter blocks in, in Beijing and arguably still, you know, one of the two or three highlights of my entire professional career. Uh, you don't get the chance to see history very often. And, you know, for those eight days, I did. Yeah, I, I had uh, Paula Schneider as a guest uh, as well uh, recently, and I was telling her a story of how uh, I met Michael uh, up at the offices uh, one day, and it was, there was a lunch buffet there, and you know he, I was in the middle, standing next to him, and he wanted something, and he he thought about you know asking me to get it for him, but then he realized if he just stuck his hand out, his <laughs> his reach was so long, he didn't need my help. Right, I think I think that's the seven foot wingspan, something like that. But uh, yeah, it, an incredible swimmer. Uh, I, I keep in loose touch with his agent, Peter Carlisle. Um, it sounds like Michael's in a in a good place with uh, a great wife and a and a great family. So it's nice to see um, him in, in in such a good place in his life right now. That's great. When you run marketing for these brands, you know sometimes you you can hit some road bumps. Uh, how do you deal with um, perhaps some negative publicity that might come out um, in in the midst of something that is you know very positive? There could be some things that are negative. How, how do you get on top of those quickly and and kind of soothe whatever needs to be soothed? Yeah, I mean, I think internally the the teams that I've had the privilege of leading will always say, "Hey, Craig is even keel, calm, um, and always." a pretty positive demeanor. Um, and to your point, when, when you've been doing this for this long, there are critical moments um, where press or, or Wall Street or whatever it is uh, gets, gets anxious and antsy. Um, and I've always learned that, hey, you know, you march through, uh, there is another side to this always, and, um, you know, you try to do the right thing. So, um, you know, I think it's probably the biggest speed bumps in, in my professional career. Um, as you remember, we had this um, unbelievably successful full body swimsuit during this uh, Beijing Olympics, but it was highly controversial. I worked uh, for Mike Jeffries, the, the modern founder and CEO of Abercrombie & Fitch, a, a brand that courted controversy and certainly had to navigate um, some excitement uh, there. Um, and then even with Gap, um, a, a brand that is so synonymously uh, tied to American retail and has had its fair share of ups and downs that, that you have to weather. Again, I think you just learn to, to march through it and, and try to be calm and, 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 and easy going through it. Yeah, calm. I guess it has that, it's that uh, Spokane, Washington uh, upbringing uh, there you that go. keeps you calm, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so uh, post uh, Speedo. Speedo had the, the, the license was uh, Warnico, and then there was this company, PVH, Phillips Van Usen. Uh, they come together. PVH, I guess, buys Warnico. Somehow you get into that family, right? Um, and then you ultimately make a move to Calvin. So tell me about that. You needed to move cross country for that one, right? Yeah, it was, that was a big move. Um, you know, my family and I had spent 15 plus years in Los Angeles, as you know. We love Southern California and, and all that that lifestyle brings, but Calvin Klein is Calvin Klein, one of the most iconic American, if not global, retail brands. Um, I learned a lot from my experience at Calvin. Um, one thing is how 
much a great brand matters. Um, I don't mean this to be disrespectful at all, um, but but Calvin has good, you know, fine product, uh, but it has a badass brand um, and. Um, the 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 marketing legacy, the creative legacy of that brand, you know, carries it to to even to this day. So I think that was the power of a brand that I learned, and I've been pretty open with people. It it was um, I, I sometimes call it the devil wears Calvin. Um, it was a tough internal environment, um, quite political. Uh, our our two corporations, PVH and, and Warnico, um, had their fair share of excitement with each other. And I think that um, you know when when I began to think about what might be next in my career, I did say you know I still want to work for a great brand if I if I can, but I would like to do it with people um, and in an environment um, that is fun because the reality is, for many of us, we spend more time with the people we work with than our own families. And hey, I want to win. I want to be competitive. I want to be the best, but I want to have fun doing it. And knock on wood. That's something I've been able to do uh, right up to, to my current gig at American Eagle. Culture, you, you talked about culture. From my experience, is culture very different between Speedo and, and Calvin. Um, so was that something that was a challenge for you to get used to? You know what? Um, you know, Speedo, obviously a sports brand. And so that competitive drive to win was really outwardly directed, meaning, you know, we'd like to be in competition with Nike, with Adidas, with, with other swimwear brands. At Calvin Klein, which is a very complicated um, internal structure, licensors, JVs, et cetera, I often found that the competition was with each other internally. Um, so again, uh, you know, no, no regrets at any stage of my professional career. And I think because of that, you take the good, but you also take the learnings with you. And again, to me, culture was gonna be an important part of, of the rest of my career, it has been. And uh, knock on wood, I've been able to do it with really good people in, in a really good environment. You know, in, in a role that you have, you know, working in businesses that are a combination, you, know, you mentioned wanting to work at a vertical retailer, but also having worked in a number of businesses that were heavily wholesale. How do you control the story, you know, the, the storytelling about your brand when in reality, oftentimes that having it communicated out is so dependent upon the retailers that are selling your product? So Mark, it's so funny that you say that, and I reflect back on my Calvin and Speedo days. And again, you learn as, as you grow as a professional. And as you know, that the next stage of my career was Calvin to Abercrombie and Fitch, a, a, a true vertical specialty retailer. And I love doing this. Why? Because we are in control. Um, so, hey, we're not perfect. We make mistakes. Um, and I'm pointing the finger at myself more than more than anyone but you are in control of your destiny. Um, and to your point, it's much more difficult in, in the wholesale environment. You're always trying to influence a retailer on your positioning in the store, your marketing activations, et, et cetera. So um, I have found it great to be part of vertical specialty retailers because again, you own it. So after Calvin comes Abercrombie and the, uh, the appeal there was vertical retailing? It was and great brands, right? So I, I had the privilege of, of, of leading marketing for all the brands there um, within the ANF Corp. So the mother brand, ANF, Hollister, which is actually a much larger brand than ANF in terms of revenue, um, and then a brand called Gilly Hicks, which was an intimate apparel brand. And, and I mentioned him previously, but I'll do it again now. Mike Jeffries was definitely part of the attraction of going 
um, to A&F. Mike was maybe one of the two or three great merchants in, in the U.S. retail landscape over the last 30, 35 years. Um, and one thing I learned from Mike is attention to detail. I mean, that guy had right down to the pencil on our desks, had, had, had it all considered in terms of, of what a true lifestyle brand was. Um, and um, he was difficult, but I mean that in the best of ways. Um, he, he drove you. Um, he expected us um, to, to, to achieve greatness, um, long hours, um, but a lot of success. And, and, and um, again, I don't think there's another place I learned so much about what it means to be a brand. And, and at that time, um, you know, A&F was really toggling between Gen Y and the, the early part of Gen Z and then toggling between the physical world, which it was so famous for. Um, and then the emerging digital world. So that was also a really interesting and fun time to be at A&F. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, you know, oftentimes you, you just had a very positive statement about somebody that you also described as difficult, uh, you know, in our industry, as in, you know, most, there's some really difficult people. Um, but it's it's interesting how you've, you you rationalize, maybe rationalize the wrong word, but you, you feel good about having been driven by somebody that was uh, so challenging. It's interesting, Mark. As I reflect back on my career, I know this about myself. I like a good character. Um, and um, Linda Walkner was the, the former CEO of Warnico back in the late 90s. She took a liking to me, um, and I was just a kid at that time, Mark. Um, and she was truly larger than life. Google her, anyone, um, and, and you'll see Mike uh, Jeffries, again, larger than life character, but drove uh, a business to, to you know, it's in, in incredible uh, levels. And, you know, I'm only four months old here at American Eagle, um, and obviously a lot still to, to learn and a lot still to accomplish. But we have an amazing um, chief creative officer by the name of Jen Foyle. Jen, the brand president of Arian, just promoted to the chief creative officer of the entire company. She grew up under Mickey Drexler, one of the other great merchants of the last 30 to 35 years. And, and Jen is also someone that, you know, to me is this, uh, you know, a, a amazing, passionate retail character who drives her teams to achieve incredible results. And uh, as you look at the Airy brand in particular, it is arguably the fastest growing retail concept in America right now. So to your point, though, it's it's been fun to work with, um, you know, these these characters throughout my career. I think I've learned a lot and, and hopefully I've contributed a lot as well. I'm sure you have. You know, one of the things that's, you know, also interesting to me, having been in businesses like you have um, a lot of fashion businesses, there's this yin and the yang between the product and the marketing. You know, and and I've been in scenarios where the product folks and the marketing folks are not always aligned, um, especially when business is not good. You know, oftentimes you're sitting there and there's conversation. Well, you know, the marketers are saying, well, the product is weak. It's not as good as it was. The merchants are saying, geez, we've got great product. Look at the, you know, the sell through of this product. You're just not marketing it to the right people. How do you find that balance in, in retailers like you've worked in? In an ideal world, the balance between product and marketing is a healthy tension, underscore healthy. Because you really do want those two functions um, to have honest, thoughtful conversations about where to take the brand, how to bring product to market, 
what is a store experience, whether physical or digital, come to life looking like. But to your point, you know, both functions can go from hero to zero in a nanosecond. Um, I've seen it. Um, I've been there. Um, so, you know, I, I would say um, the 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 healthiest place I've seen it um, in in my career was probably my first year and a half, two years at Gap, where we really came together and said, you know, there, there are a lot of things that are not headed in the right direction with Gap brand. There are a lot of things that are not headed in the right direction with Gap brand product. What do we do together to, to do better for the customer and do better for, for the brand? Um, but I've also seen it come off the wheels and uh, it's ugly when it does, it really is. Um, and there's a lot of emotions, there's a lot of finger pointing, and uh, it, it's, you know, my humble opinion, just not a, a very healthy way to, to, to go about it. Again, to me, it's a healthy tension that needs to exist. So after Abercrombie is the gap. So the appeal at the gap, give us time frame. you know, was gap starting or, or already in um, their, their challenging times? Well, so this was 2000, late 2015, early 2016. I was very happy at ANF. The now CEO, Fran Horowitz, was, was kind of uh, gaining more power with, within the corporation. And so when Gap came along and then quickly um, made an offer, um, it was still, to this date, the most difficult career decision I made because um, I'm a huge fan of Fran. Um, and a huge fan of the team that I built there, but Gap was still Gap, um, the most iconic retail brand. You know, I really thought that I could contribute at a very high level and, and help Gap back to greatness. And, you know, fast forward two years in, in my tenure at Gap, we had the best traffic trend in 11 years. We had the best brand health scores in seven years. We had the first new customer file growth in five years. And yet it still didn't all come together. Um, and um, it's my story, so this is my point of view, and there could be others that, that disagree, but the, the product engine, the, the complication of getting product to market just never allowed us to be as successful as I believe we could have been. Um, and as you know, um, the, the brand continues to still have its, its ups and downs. I still know people there including the, the current CMO, who uh, I'm a big fan of. Um, and I'll always have a little bit of uh, a gap blue in my blood and, and wish them well. So it'll be interesting to see um, as they launch the new collaboration with Kanye West in, in 21, if the brand can, can regain any momentum. So just to uh, name drop from a college experience, you and I were talking briefly about Chip Berg, uh, CEO at Levi's coming from Lafayette College, which is where I went to school. Fran also went to uh, Lafayette College uh, as well. So I guess we're churning out lots of CEOs uh, in, in major retailers. Wow. I, I, I had no idea. That's great. You know, Chip is obviously a, a, an amazing CEO for you know, another iconic denim brand. Um, and, and, and as you know, Fran is terrific. The devil's in the details. You've probably heard that phrase time and time again in your professional life. Projects get started with great intentions, but you no longer have the time to pay attention to the little things that can make the difference between success and failure. At Details Interactive, you can discuss your business with a seasoned direct-to-consumer marketing executive who has helped launch and grow web businesses and integrate multi-channel marketing initiatives. Learn more at DetailsInteractive.com. 
uh, American Eagle, you mentioned it, you know, a few times. That's uh, your four months in. Uh, what did you find when you started? Listen, I, I'm having so much fun in, in this new gig. A couple things come to mind. First of all, um, when, when I walked in the door, there was momentum behind the business. So, you know, oftentimes when you're a new CMO, you're brought in to fix something. Um, and I think here the brief is to build on something. Um, American Eagle, the brand is the number one choice of denim for kids 15 to 25 years old. Just looking at the new NPD data, uh, sales data um, with my team last week, we now sell one out of every four pairs of jeans to women 15 to 25, and are actually the number one selling women's jeans for all ages in, in America. So with that denim foundation, um, you know, the, the hope is to, to build on, on that success. Obviously, it's a crazy world right now, um, and we still have 900 physical stores um, out in, in American malls. Um, the metrics I look at would indicate that we're doing better than most out there, uh, but we have certainly seen um, our young Gen Z consumer dramatically switch into digital commerce. And although the brand was already over-indexing um, in digital commerce compared to our competitive set, um, even in these short eight or nine months, we're light years ahead of where we were even uh, back in March. So, you know, the, this, this is really about being best in class in, in digital in the truest sense, uh, not just from a digital commerce perspective, but also from a digital marketing perspective. Um, social media is the oxygen of this generation. Um, and so, I spend most of my days TikToking and snapping, and uh, quite frankly, in some cases, learning um, about um, um, all of the new incredible digital platforms that these kids engage on. So, I hope you hear it in my voice. It's it's been such a fun first months, and I and I can't wait to to continue to to see how the brand and business evolves in in the coming months. I, I had a list of questions, you know, that had to do with TikTok and and all, and, and you mentioned it, so I'll, I'll go a little bit out of order in, in the way I was thinking about this. But uh, let's talk TikTok and Disney. So you have a big activation going on now. Um, explain a little bit about what it is, in fact, and and how that came together. Yeah, sometimes it's better to be lucky than be smart, right? So you know, I, I inherited this uh, Disney American Eagle collaboration, although I was very happy in the interview process when I learned that this would be my first campaign. Um, and it's been um, a terrific collaboration um, for both sides. Um, obviously, you know, American Eagle has had um, uh, some terrific talent um, relations recently, uh, most notably Addison Ray, who has about a bazillion followers on, on TikTok. Um, and obviously Disney is Disney, right? And, and when you think about Q4, when you think about holiday season in 2020, Gen Z has told us loud and clear, they want a gigantic warm hug of nostalgic holiday. They've had a they've had a pretty tough year, right? So, I think um, bringing these two um, brands together has has been terrific. Um, and as you've just kind of alluded to, um, we launched the the first ever um, official Mickey Mouse TikTok. It was a duet with Addison Ray on on Thursday. I think we're up to something crazy like. 75 million views so far or, or you know and, and, and growing so listen when you have been doing influencer marketing for as long as i have you you have a healthy skepticism um on whether influencers can really drive the brand drive the business 
I'm telling you, Addison Ray does. She's driven engagement. She's driven product. Um, I'm a convert, so uh, we'll probably be TikToking a lot in in the in the years <laughs> ahead. That's uh, that's incredible. When you came to American Eagle. Uh, and because you felt like you had a little bit of uh, sail at your winds uh, behind you, uh, what was your first order of business in, in your mind? There, there are three things that usually one does in these roles, right? You look at where the brand is, you look at where the customer base is, um, and you don't get to sit in a CMO seat for very long unless you drive the business. These are not just about fancy photo shoots anymore. So you know, from a brand perspective, um, without giving everything away today, I think we have um, a sense of where we like to evolve the, the brand. And, and in my experience, you know, dating all the way back to Calvin, iconic brands run towards who they are, but express themselves in modern ways. Um, and so we'll, we'll begin that journey at American Eagle in, in the coming months. You know, from a customer base perspective, again, there is no other retailer that is successful with Gen Z than, than um, American Eagle. I think there are a couple interesting areas as, as you just look at some of the research that, that, that I see. One is um, the opportunity to continue to um, grow beyond uh, Gen Z. If I had a dollar for especially every woman who's come up to me and said, you know, my dirty little secret is I still wear American Eagle jeans because they fit so great at, at, at the price point that you guys offer it. So, you know, is there an opportunity um, with, with Gen Y potentially? Um, and then, you know, I, I alluded to it before, um, but as we continue to look at our, at our store fleet optimization, there's no doubt from a digital commerce perspective that we have a, a ton of opportunity. And, and when I think about driving the business, I think new ways to shop is something that I'm most excited by. You know, we have a number of, of pilots um, over the course of the holiday season. I think I'm most excited by two. One, we launched um, a virtual Snap AE holiday pop-up store um, in early November. The response has been terrific, not just from an engagement perspective, but from a sales perspective as well, which allows me to believe that, you know, these kind of unique digital reality experiences or something that we should continue to, to seek. And then I think second, we have Addison Ray doing some live video shopping on Instagram in December. Um, you and I both know that Chinese influencers have had tremendous success in that market with, with video shopping. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see with someone with the kind of social following that Addison does, what does it mean for social commerce as well? So those are some of the things that, that I get excited about um, in, in my first four months at American Eagle. It sounds like you've uh, had quite a bit to do and you, you've accomplished a lot. That, that's great. Um, in your LinkedIn profile, you note that you are adept at managing the art and science of modern marketing, which was perfect uh, for me to see because the question that I had already written for this uh, conversation was, how do you balance branding initiatives versus good old fashioned commercial tactics? that, you know, immediately drive some measurable performance and, and sales, right? You know, it's great to have awareness, but at the end of the day, you got to ring the cash register. Yeah, no doubt. And again, as I mentioned before, I don't get to sit in my seat for very long if, if the business isn't thriving. But I've been really um, strategic, I hope, in my career in picking uh, retailers where, where brand is still important because I just love the nice mix between brand and, and, and business. And again, I think I found it again here at American Eagle. And, and there are just gut decisions that you still make 
um, when when you're driving the art of of the marketing profession. But there's no doubt that um, we look at data every minute of every hour of of every day um, to help drive certain parts of the business: um, retention, acquisition, loyalty, customer file promotional strategy, I can go on and on, Mark. Um, all of them are informed by data. Um, and so, you know, if you're listening out there and you're thinking about, you know, getting into retail marketing and you think, well, here's someone that has has had the privilege of leading Calvin and Gap and ANF and American Eagle, these brands that have such a great creative history. Hey, that's fun. I still, you know, get to do that. But um, it, it, it is definitely a data-led marketing world now and and if you can't show up um, and um, analyze what's happening out there and then make smart strategic decisions um, in the moment um, you know you're, you're not going to have a very successful career in in retail marketing and i'm very open with um, everyone I, I came from the lifestyle side of of marketing um, but i hope i've had a level of intellectual curiosity that has allowed me to learn as I've gone along. I'm still today not afraid to ask the quote unquote dumb question in the room in order to, to learn something. And uh, today, you know, I, I lead a group of almost 160 marketing professionals from wide, wide, wide ranges of, of, of the marketing function. And it's a lot of fun. 160. That's uh, an impressive uh, team that you have there. That, that's great. That's great. You know, you, you mentioned a few times that you don't get to keep your job as a CMO if you don't drive sales. How has the CMO role, as you've kind of moved through it, changed over time? Yeah. Again, if you and I were were, were talking 10 years ago, it really would be pretty pictures. Um, and, you know, I kind of laugh about the early stages of my Calvin career it really was. I mean, we got six pictures from a photo shoot, you know, a double page spread in Vogue. You put up the billboard in Houston Street and Soho in New York. You kind of high five and you move on to the next season. And I'm not kidding you when I say my, my current team at American Eagle is putting out 500 plus pieces of content every week. Um, and so, um, you know, the, the, the amount of content that needs to feed the beast uh, on a on a daily, weekly, monthly basis is is almost head spinning. Um, I still do, though, um, take the time to see everything. Something I learned at Calvin, and to be fair, something I learned at A and F, and the discipline I think for for our teams to 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 go into the details, not cut corners, is 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 a reason why. Um, there are winners and there are losers in, in retail right now. And, and that's why I think American Eagle is set up for success in, in the years to come. We care, we're passionate about retail. Um, we pay attention to the details. I have to say no a lot of times uh, on, on short-term decisions for, the, for the, the medium or longer-term better, betterment of the business or the brand. But I think that you know, the, the results speak for themselves. Um, I think that, you know, any Wall Street analyst out there would put American Eagle firmly in the in the winter camp in, in the course of the last nine months or so. 
Because there's so many different places, you know, you mentioned so many pieces of content that you're creating, and there are obviously many different tactics you're using that for. How do you know, you know what your marketing budget is likely going to be? How do you sit and, and actually apportion that budget? There's so many options of where to spend the money. There's so many methods of attribution of where those revenue dollars, you know, are coming from. How are you guys thinking about it? Or how do you, you know, how does just Craig think about it? Yeah, I mean, in, in any marketing, but I mean, I'm a simple guy, Mark, you know this about me. So, you know, I, I just try to break it down, you know, pretty easily. There's there's just a couple buckets to define a marketing budget. I don't care how big your retail marketing budget is. There's media, there's creative production, and then there's all other. Um, and at all the places I've been, there's no doubt that the biggest number is always in media. You know, to your point, we have to make decisions literally on a daily basis on driving upper funnel versus lower funnel tactics. And every brand um, is different in terms of, of the right allocation and, and percentages. And I won't tell you what those are specifically because I'll just want to protect the places I've, I've been. Um, but you know, when you are a more mature brand that has pretty high level of, of awareness and consideration already, you never want to Take, take your foot off the gas, but you can kind of get into those mid or lower funnel things a bit easier. If, if you're in for a, you know, a brand reboot um, or you're launching a new product, you, know, you may have to get into that upper funnel a, a, a bit more. The biggest, biggest, biggest danger though is if a CMO doesn't stand his or her ground and make sure you still have upper funnel because the easiest trap to, to fall into is too much goes to that performance marketing bucket. Um, and at some point that well starts drying up. Um, I've seen it happen. We've made that mistake at brands I've been at. So that healthy mix is, is, is really what you have to drive for. Um, at the moment you and I are having this conversation, we're into the Super Bowl of shopping, right? The biggest week of the year, um, just kicked off on Friday at American Eagle with something we called the Friendsgiving sale. It heads into that Black Friday period and then obviously the all important Cyber Monday. Um, and I can tell you, that a couple times a day I am on the phone with our performance marketing ninjas, as I call them, understanding you know, what platform and what tactic is, is driving the business. So um, it's, it's, a really important, um, it's a really important question for any retail CMO. It's certainly a very important question um, in, in this crazy 2020. Crazy it is. I wouldn't know any other way to describe it. So we're getting down to the the time uh, for for us to get to what I call the two minute drill. Uh, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions here, just quick off the top. Um, I will say that you know uh, I couldn't have teed it up any better um, for you. You you talked about the upper funnel and the lower funnel and the awareness because you know one of the things we try to promise uh, the folks that listen here is that there's some takeaways that they can you know bring back to their business. And I think you just hit on one of the most important things. It's so easy to walk away from that awareness um, spend because it's the most difficult to determine near, you know, immediately how it performed. And it's not for a few months down the road where you realize you're just talking to yourself because you haven't been able to bring some new people into that funnel. So I, I think that's a great call out. Um, all right. Uh, so first question, you ready? Let's do this. All right. A brand that you admire or that inspires you? A brand that I admire and inspires me. I'll say Disney. I mean, again, we're working with them right now, Mark. But um, you know, the the purity of branding, the again, the attention to detail, it's pretty impressive. Yep. 
your favorite app on your phone? Favorite app on my phone is Instagram. Well, now it has to be, right? And then you're going to be telling me it's TikTok, you know, uh, down the road here. Yeah, I mean, TikTok is definitely the favorite app on my daughter's phones <laughs> and uh, the favorite app to embarrass me in my house. But um, no, I, I, still love, uh, I still love getting lost in Instagram. The last website other than Amazon that you shopped from? I'm trying to think out loud where, I, where I've been last besides my own sites, right? Right. So I think the last app was probably for travel. And, and that, was the, that was for um, the, the uh, Four Seasons property down the Caribbean that unfortunately we had to cancel. So one thing after all this is done, Mark, I don't know about you, but I just want to go on a proper vacation. It, I, I feel cooped up for the last nine months or so. Uh, but with our daughters um, in school age, you know, they, they have to quarantine after. So we can't quite yep. get, get away. So it is what it is. Something that you're not good at, but that you wish that you were. I wish I was good at running. I, I hate running. Um, and um, <laughs> I, I, I love tennis. I love hiking. Um, I love to be out on, on the water uh, um, here in, in Greenwich, Connecticut, where we live. But I always look at these people running and I just, I've never been a runner. N not at all. I, I could totally uh, understand that. I have the same thing when I see them running by so effortlessly. A charitable organization that you're passionate about. You know what, my um, youngest daughter um, goes to a school that um, helps her with her dyslexia. So I just love any charity that, that helps kids that, um, we, you know, we say, um, you know, have, have different types of, of learning. They're not special education, they're just different. Um, and it's been so fun to see her flourish in a different way uh, with uh, different types of, 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 of learning techniques. Um, and so super passionate about that. That's great. And last one, if you had one superpower, what would it be? I would love to play tennis like Rafael Nadal. Um, so <laughs> and as much as I try and I do quite often, I'm a miserable failure um, at it, but um, it's, it, tennis is a sport um, that allows me to, to hit out any nervous tension that, that I have um, you know, in, in the office. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I, that I wish I had to play like Rafa. All right. Well, I, something telling me that Rafa wouldn't be a very good CMO. So um. nah, he doesn't need to with all the money he makes uh, playing, playing yeah. tennis, right? He, he, he can, he can just sit back and relax. Craig, this has been great. Um, if people want to reach out to you on social media, what's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, the best place for people to reach out to me on social media would be LinkedIn. I, I do a pretty good job of trying to respond. You know, people are, do kindly reach out quite a bit, so I can't always get to them, but that's definitely the best place to, to find me. Okay. Craig, this was great. Thank you for, uh, for doing this with me. I appreciate it. It was great to see you again. And, uh, it was nice to uh, see what you've been up to, and uh, I'll continue to follow the work that you're uh, doing at American Eagle. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. That's it. Today's game ball goes to Craig Brummers for coming on the Marketing Playbook. To me, today's three game-winning marketing plays were as follows. Number one, you can practice kindness and be successful. Craig has made a career of being creative, bright, articulate, and doing it all while being a good mentor, a good networker, and simply a good guy. When you find that your day is not going as expected, remember that someone is watching how you handle that diversity. Set the right example for your team. Number two, 
Marketing and product teams often have and need a healthy tension between them. It's okay to have the honest and passionate conversations that drive a business. However, once there's an agreement on direction, everyone needs to get behind it in the best interest of the brand. And number three, we're in a data-led marketing world. Gone are the days of being able to drive a business with simply great product and great creative. For the most part, everything that we can do can be measured and help to determine the next steps we take. Compile the data, analyze it, and use it to make management actionable decisions. Thank you, Playbook Marketers, for listening to another episode. If you want to check out more pages of the Marketing Playbook, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast spot and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at Details Interact and learn more at DetailsInteractive.com. Until next time, the devil is in the details.